Hello, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience, everyone. I'm your host, Derek, as always, and you are joining us for episode 83 today. And episode 83 is actually an interesting one. It's our first time talking about the Borderlands series at all. So if you've been in my streams, you know that I've been streaming a lot of Borderlands lately. We played through all of Borderlands 1. So basically, Borderlands 1, we're doing a retrospective on that today. And because we finished the game now, now we're talking about how it ended and sort of all the facets of the game, you know, the characters in the game, different things like that. Just basically going over everything in Borderlands 1 to kind of put a cap on me playing through this first game. So it's going to be a fun episode there, but real quick, some news at the top of the show before we start that. Our next stream is going to be Sunday, 12 to 4 Eastern. It's probably going to be on the Borderlands pre-sequel, because since we played through the first game, now we want to play through the rest of them. So we're probably going to do that on Sunday, uh, our first excursion to the pre-sequel. And then Monday is going to be our Game Pass revisit a game, where we actually revisit one game from Game Pass that we played before. Right now, the leading in the votes is Life is Strange. Furthermore, the next podcast we do is going to be on State of Decay 2. I don't know exactly what topic it's going to be, but next Saturday we'll have some kind of State of Decay 2 podcast. So stay tuned for that. And then I also want to give a shout out because I forgot to do it in the last episode, so I apologize about that. But I want to give a shout out to our newest patron, uh, Meter. Meter was became a $5 patron right uh a little bit before the last episode, so thank you very much, Meter, for becoming a five dollar patron. Really appreciate that. And now that Meter is a five dollar patron, he gets exclusive rewards like uh, access to a patron only Discord chat. He gets access to a bonus Patreon podcast, which is going to release this same week. So basically, as you're hearing this right now, that bonus Patreon podcast is actually out, and it's my top ten games all time. So if you want to listen to that podcast early, then uh, you can join Patreon at patreon.com slash experience. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash experience. And for $5 a month, you can actually access that podcast. But I will announce that that special podcast is going to be released in the main feed. It's just going to be uh, a timed exclusive for Patreon members right now. And then any future Patreon podcasts will not be timed exclusives. Uh, they will be fully exclusive. So be, meaning this first podcast is the only one that the main feed will uh, have access to. So if you uh, are still on the fence about Patreon or anything like that, or if you want to kind of see what those bonus podcasts are first, then at some point uh, in the near future, that podcast will release to non-patrons as well. But thank you again, Meter, for becoming a Patreon member. I really appreciate that. But without further ado, we do have a guest here with us today. We have a guest making their second appearance, and they were actually just on the podcast very, very recently. So they're, you know, making their second appearance uh, very early on here. Please welcome back to the show, Zombie Killer Ma. How are you, Zombie? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, thanks for joining us again. You know, you were just on here to talk to CFEs, and now you're on to talk to Borderlands. So, Borderlands, this is a series that you've actually played a lot, or is this a series that you've uh, just gotten into recently? Uh, this is a game I've played a lot. I mean, it was like one of the things like I grew up kind of like playing because I got into it a lot. Yeah, and for me, this is a game that I've played very recently, so I basically decided that I was going to kind of speed run through the series, and 
I have played through Borderlands 1, but I did kind of speed through it. It wasn't like a traditional, you know, speed run as fast as you can go, but I, I kind of sped through it and I didn't really, you know, stop and smell the roses at all. So, you know, Zombie was uh, my partner for most of that. There's only a couple of times I didn't have Zombie with me, but, um, you know, I didn't really stop and smell the roses too much. I just kind of ran right through the story and enjoyed the story. Fair enough, you can actually do that as well. Like, you can just enjoy the story because at the end of the day, I think, the side missions that are the are just to help you level them up. You have no significance to the story apart from some like minor details, but yeah, and I didn't really actually enjoy the story too. I mean, the side missions are kind of fun too, but um, the main story was pretty fun for me. And you know, we should say that this is a game made by Gearbox in two thousand nine, and it has spawned some sequels, obviously, which I will be getting to those uh, at a later date because I want to finish the games first and then talk about those. But it's an open world shooter looter. It's, you know, kind of uh, touted as, like, one of the original ones for that kind of genre. So, um, do you remember back when it first came out, how you were feeling about the game? Were you feeling like it was uh, something new and unique at the time? Yeah, at the, at the time, it was definitely something, like, it was very unique at, at its time. Because I'm pretty sure it was around that time as well, where you had, it was kind of a lack of that kind of, like, sandbox kind of the way, like, that, how that was. Because it's kind of like a sandbox, so you could do whatever you wanted. I mean, you could just sit there and you could mess around in this massive open barren wasteland, or you could, you know, just do the missions like you tailored how you played the game. And for me, that was really fun because at times when obviously you were struggling, like on a boss, for example, or you were just frustrated in general, it was a fun thing to come back to just to play with friends in co-op and just have a mess around. Not even doing side missions, doing like Coliseum missions, just doing whatever, just like just sat around doing anything. And that's what I loved about it. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'd always wanted to jump in the Borderlands series, just I had never really got around to it because I don't have a lot of time in my hands to play games. So it was always one of those games that I heard about, I thought I would enjoy, but I always just was playing something else instead. And... I didn't really have time to, you know, take on another game in my hands, but I finally forced myself to do it, and I'm glad I did, because, you know, this is a really cool series, and I really love everything about it, and it, it kind of has a lot of the aspects I love in games, where you can have that, you know, co-op fun with friends, it has some really nice um, mechanics in it, where you can level up your characters really nicely, and have different skills and abilities, so all that is really cool to me, and I love how you can actually, you know, tailor your character to the way you want. I like that as well, because obviously you you tailor, obviously your character's skills, the way you want to play the game, the way you want to assign your skill sets. It's not just, like, forced upon you, apart from the main abilities at the start. But apart from that, all the rest of the choices are yours to make. They don't force you to go down a tree. Or, like, you know what I mean? They're just, like, for example, just going, like, okay, you know what? I want to go down this path or this path, and this is better for me, for my playstyle, stuff like that. But, the thing is about that as well, it has its negative effects and stuff like that, and that's what I like. But some games, like, try to force you to go down one path in order to, like, obviously complete the goal. Right. If you don't do this path, then you're going to fail, and it's going to be really hard and difficult. But with Borderlands, you can do whatever the hell you want. It's just a leveling system becomes your issue, and that's it. Yeah, and I guess it's a good point to, you know, kind of get into some of the characters. And um, each character that is playable has its own class, sort of, that you can level up and increase the stats, I've been saying. And they all have their own special ability. But before we get into those, there's a couple of uh, important non-playable characters. I did write down two. You can probably think of more that I didn't write down. But um, the first two I wrote down are Marcus and Scooter. Do you want to describe who Marcus and Scooter are? Okay. 
So Marcus is um, you're kind of tip. It's like he's like um, your typical like like I'm trying to think of the word for it now. I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything though. Refresh my mind on that later. But Marcus he's is basically your arms dealer. He arms dealer. He's very shady when it comes to it as well because he'll work with anybody. And I won't spoil anything now, but you find that out later on in other games. Like it's more apparent when he does stuff like that. But the thing is, he's kind of that type of person where it's just like, okay, so I'm going to sell weapons to you, and I'm going to sell weapons to these guys, and like, oh, I may have sold weapons to, you know, the right side of, like, the law and stuff like that. You know what, here, bandits, to get more money, here, you can have some guns as well. Like, he's that, that type of person who's like, as long as I'm getting money, I'm fine to sell my weapons to whoever I want. I mean, you can't really blame him in a way, though. He's making cash. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that describes him. And Scooter is obviously... Uh, is is the guy who does all your vehicles? He's a really good mechanic, and he kind of he's kind of like he's not that yeah. bright. He runs the catch a rad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he has that catchy phrase to it, catch a rad. Yeah, I love it, me. Um, and his <laughs> thing with him, funny. yeah, he is very funny because the thing is as well, he's not that smart, but it's his other abilities that make him so likable. Like obviously, catch a ride, for example, is a very lovable phrase that people love using all the time. Because it's just, it's it's always tailored to him, and it's it's an iconic thing like you hear all the time. Absolutely, he's a very fun character, and you know, right from the onset of meeting him, you always seem to like him. Because I mean, I never had any point in the game where I like I disliked Scooter in any way. He always seemed like a cool guy to me. Yeah, you can't dislike Scooter. I mean, if you dislike Scooter, you haven't like. What are you doing? Why? <laughs> but there there is actually NPC that. I didn't trust basically the whole game, and I ended up saying oh, at the end of the game, "All right, I, I guess you're okay, but I, I still don't really like you." And that was uh, Tannis for me. So, do you want to describe my Tannis a little bit? So, Tannis, as if you go through the game, you get to learn a bit more about her past. If you collect like her logs, I know we did that on stream. You got to know more about like yeah, how she spent her logs, days yeah. and all this stuff. She's not from Pandora. She came with a science team to obviously research this vault, right, that people thought was a myth. And as the thing, as, as she kept going through these days on Pandora, uh, she used to be, like, obviously, like, sound to people, used to trust a lot of people, used to just be normal talking to people. But then as she got through it, because she thought she was more smarter than the group, she started to be, become a bit more arrogant and just like, oh, well, you're going to do this for me, and that's the end of it. She be- kind of became her own boss down there because she was in charge of this group. But she was literally watching as, as this group got kind of ripped apart. And by that I mean it was like obviously death after death after death. And her being the only survivor. She's kind of now had that mindset of where she doesn't trust anybody. But as long as you're going to help her. She's like okay just get to it then. And just get out of my way. And let me work. She's like that type of person. So you can't have a normal conversation with her. And I'm kind of curious actually. Your first time playing through. Did you actually trust her at all, or did you find her kind of, like, shady a little bit? Because she seemed kind of shady to me the whole time I was playing, but she ended up being decent, it seemed like. Um, I think it, I, I, I got that shady element to it after, like, my second playthrough, because a lot of people were saying to me when I, when I first, like, finished it, I didn't find her shady at first. I just thought, legit, she just hated everything. She just hated everyone and everything, Makes sense. and you're distracting her from her work, so she wants you to go away. Like, I thought she was one of those type of people, like, like an arrogant snob, to be exact, would be the words for it. I thought she was one of those people just like, oh, let me work, I'm the best, blah, 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 blah. But then, obviously, you get that shady element to it as well. Yeah, I got that element as we were playing through this run-through now. 
So yeah, she, she really seemed shaded to me, but you know, hey, she turned out to be you know not evil as far as I can tell so far. So you know, props to her, I guess, in that. But you know, without spoiling, don't tell me. But you know, maybe in a future game she turns evil. We'll see. I guess so. We'll I'll find out later. Yeah, you will find out later. Yeah. But we do have a couple other uh, good guy characters on our side, or at least we assume they're good guy characters. One of those is actually a friendly robot named Claptrap. Do you want to describe Claptrap for us? Where to start with Claptrap, eh? Um, he's your he's kind very of... fun. Yeah, he's your kind of com- like comedy relief, so to say. So kind of like Scooter, but he's there because obviously he's a poor little victim throughout the whole thing, and you kind of get a laugh off of obviously his dispense of obviously him getting like uh, like hurt and stuff like that. You get a laugh off of it. He's like your comedy relief character, but it's also funny because it's just Claptrap in general. Like, he's a lovable character, and all he does is just obviously, yeah, I mean, he's like not that bright as well. He's just like, well, you know what I mean? It's just a lovable character. For me, like, the entire game, I kind of looked at him as, like, my pet. Like, you know, he's my pet, and when, other, like, somebody attacks him, I'm like, hey, yeah. you hit my pet. <laughs> you, you asshole, you hit my pet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's actually a first. I can see that now, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's, Th- that's kind of how I looked at it, because, like, you know, you find these clash shots throughout the world that you have to help repair. When you repair them, you get your upgrade to your storage deck so like to me he always seemed like this pet you know like uh, i'm trying to like heal my pet okay my pet's back to full health again all right cool my pet's good you know go run along pat like you know (laughs) i like that i like that i can't him a pet i'll have to use that more often actually (laughs) (laughs) yes but Um. someone that definitely isn't a pet which honestly i'm blanking on the name you probably remember the name but um Right early on in the game and throughout the game, you actually have this uh, sort of apparition that follows you throughout the game, and it uh, appears in blue in the game. And basically, they tell you things about the vault, and they tell you, you know, okay, this is your mission. You know, this is what you want to do. You have to go to this vault. You have to, you know, get it before it closes. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about there? Yeah, yeah, I'm Yeah, the like, she's basically your guide throughout the whole game. And basically, do you know her name by off the top of your head, or? You see, if I did that, it kind of... I, I don't know if she says it at the uh, start. I don't think she okay. does. Okay, it would you. kind of spoil something because you okay. find it out in a later game. So it, it's not just me uh, not remembering her name then? Because I'm like, no, I don't she remember her say saying it. it. Okay, I was going to say, I'm like, I don't remember her saying it. So maybe I'm forgetting, but I don't know. <laughs> She's related to a certain company, but that's in the cliffhanger at the end. I'll ask you later if you uh, got that when we get onto like, the main story about that. If you saw that at the end. But yeah, she doesn't say a name in this game. Right, and I can't spoil much about it and stuff like that, because obviously it's spoilers, but yeah, you know. Uh, but basically, she's like your guide throughout the whole thing, and obviously, she knows where the vault is, she knows it's real, and she knows you guys are vault hunters, and she's trying to help you get to this, because she doesn't want evil people using it to kind of expand their greed. You know what I mean? No, definitely, and she does seem helpful throughout the whole thing, and um, I know it's we haven't gotten to this game yet, but it kind of reminded me from Tales from the Borderlands how Handsome Jack is kind of like in your ear the whole time in Tales from the Borderlands. Kind of reminded me of that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that, yeah. I can see that. Because I actually have played through Tales from the Borderlands, and that was actually my first Borderlands I played through, so I kind of did it backwards. But... <laughs> <laughs> you did the whole thing backwards, Blaze. What are you doing? Ah! <laughs> but, but now I'm riding the ship, so... Yeah, but are there any other um, good characters that you can think of that are NPCs in the game for Borderlands One? Because I, I definitely have some bad guys I want to mention. But um, are there any good characters we haven't talked about at all? Um, 
I know one you haven't mentioned, and I'm really surprised you forgot about this one, is Dr. Zed, who provides you with all the medical stuff and all the shields and stuff like that. Because I know you carried med, med, like, med stuff throughout the whole game. Um, honestly, I forgot about him because he never really made an impact on me too much. I mean, I basically yeah. just walked up to the guy, like, okay, give me some meds. Okay, thanks, dude. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, he, he never really made too much of an impact on me. But Yeah, it's because, as he says in the thing, he doesn't have uh, a medical license anymore. Because I think you can see why. I think, because obviously in Pandora, he's, in, he's, had, enough, he's had all these bandits attack him in his town and stuff like that. And he's kind of just had enough. So when he has the chance to test out new stuff, he's going to grab bandits. And because he doesn't have a medical license, he can just go to town with them as much as he wants. Most of the time, killing them rather than actually helping them. So, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he's still good, obviously, because he's kind of a bit psychotic. Like In his mind, he's a bit psychotic. And you don't really see the character, but you just think of this, oh, oh, you got this guy. Oh, I don't have a medical degree. Oh, well, I've just killed this guy. Oh, well, it's just a bandit. Who cares? <laughs> That's how you really describe him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, to me, he was basically just a guy I go to, you know, when I need something, and that's basically all he was really was to me. Like, he never made any kind of impact on me personally, so I don't know if that would have any other players felt the same way about him, but he never, like, had any funny lines, he never, like, did anything cool, you know, he's just, like, he's just a guy that sits there, so. <laughs> mm. Yeah, a lot of people would think that, because he's in features a lot. But we do have some uh, interesting bad guys in the game, though, too, and... Um, one of them, you know, we are going to spoil Borderlands 1 at least. We won't spoil anything past Borderlands 1, but yeah. um, this is a Borderlands 1 retrospective. So, you know, if you haven't played through Borderlands 1 and you don't want to be spoiled on that, then um, I would probably say, you know, tune out now because you are going to hear some spoilers in the storyline here. So mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, go play through it. Uh, come back to this episode and, you know, we'll uh, talk to you then. But um the character I want to talk about first is sort of the one that you discover is like the main quote unquote bad guy of the game, which is uh, Commander Steel. Oh, you want to start with Commander Steel, right? Um, yeah, Commander Steel. Honestly, like before you get into her, I will say that right from the jump, like you remember that I didn't trust her from the start. I'm like, yeah, I don't trust her at all. Like she seems like a really bad person. Oh yeah, definitely. Immediately she sets it up as a bad person. But the one thing I know, the thing is as well, she's kind of loyal. She's loyal to obviously who she's with, which is the Dahl Corporation. She's loyal to them no matter what. And that's one of her positive traits. She's loyal to who she's with the whole time. And her, her motto is obviously loyalty beyond anything else. And obviously keeping that motto of obviously anything... Anything that's in Pandora belongs to the Dahl Corporation, and obviously, from the get-go, she starts to literally say to you, you get across, obviously, this whole arrogance, like, obviously, I'm the one in power, not you, don't disobey me, or stuff's gonna happen to you, and stuff like that. You obviously get that immediately, okay, this person's the bad guy for the whole thing, and she's gonna be a pain in the ass for the whole thing. That's what you get immediately, from just her talking to you at the start, telling you to just stop doing stuff. Like, killing the bandits, for example... You're doing a good thing, and yet she's telling you off for it. Because obviously she wants the glory of obviously her being the one to kill all these bandits, get rid of all these bandits, even find the vault, stuff like that. She wants all the glory, and she's yeah, not going yeah, to let hunters do it you know, Spoiler, I mean, she definitely got her glory at the end. You know, she was the yeah. one who opened the vault, and you know, she had great success with that, right? Mm, I mean, yeah, if you count that. <laughs> I mean, if you can't get stabbed through, you know. Yeah. If you count that ending as a glory ending then i don't know what else yeah but she did get hers at the end 
I mean, I will say, though, that the only thing I was kind of disappointed about a little bit, which I told you, is that I kind of wanted to kill her myself, but, you know, yeah. it, hey, at least she died, though. So. Her own glory backfired against her, and I think that's what the story was saying, that no matter how loyal you are, no matter how glo- like how much glory you want, you kind of just let the greed get, she kind of let the greed get to her head, and then that was it. Her own greed was a downfall at the end. Absolutely. Which, she's technically not the uh, final boss, since we're kind of in that area. Um, the final boss is basically a vault monster. And essentially, as far as I understand the Borderlands world, each vault actually has a monster contained inside it. Is that correct? Yes, that is that is correct, yeah. Each one has its own different one in it. And this one is called the Destroyer, correct? Yep. So basically, this one is like... Um, it's sort of like a giant squid-like thing with, like, tentacles, and the tentacle, you know, comes out, kills her right away, and then you have to fight it, and I thought this was a very interesting boss. Um, you know, it wasn't my favorite boss fight, like, you know, video games all time or anything, but, I mean, it was an interesting boss for sure, and I, you know, found a spot that I could really kind of hide from damage a little bit to kind of, like, you know, pop out and keep shooting. Yeah. So I think that's why I took away a little bit from it, because... um for me, I wasn't taking a ton of damage. I was taking some, but I could find a spot that, you know, I was a little bit relatively safe. Like, yeah. to me, I found the human enemies a little bit more fun to face, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that was mostly because I took most of the damage for that fight. Because <laughs> I was, like, right up there, right next to the thing, literally that getting hit by everything a- possible. I was getting hit by all these tentacles and everything, because he had this... If you didn't see it, they had spikes on the end of these tentacles, and that's what stabbed Commander Steel. Yeah, because, I mean, I will say that, um... Both that boss and the other, like, monster boss in Borderlands 1 was the Rack Hive. Like, both of those bosses, they were super cool to look at. They're amazing to, you know, see and experience. But the Rack Hive, even more so, like, the Rack Hive, I don't think I even got hit once. Like, the Rack Hive just did not damage me. I was just in the right spot, I guess, and he's never even found me. Yeah. Um, yeah, where you were was basically the best spot to be because obviously you could never find you because I was taking most of the hits again. But that isn't just because of my high level and stuff like that. It's because obviously I was out there actually doing what the boss fight entails. But the boss fight entails is obviously us jumping down into the ditch. And what would have happened then is obviously this rack hype becomes more of an issue because obviously not only have you got the rack attacker, this thing can also stomp on you. And when it does, it's an insta-kill. So, <laughs> yeah... So you getting stopped on the thing would have insta-killed both of us, and we would have had to restart the boss fight. So where we were was like the best spot to be. But even just letting this boss get close to us, obviously, on the ledge would have been our downfall as well, because those rack would have just came in immediately and killed, them, killed us both Makes really quick. It's because, obviously, we were able to control the situation and the zoning between us. We were able to kill it with such ease. That's how we got about that one. Yeah, I find that really fun, and... I really enjoyed, you know, facing him and kind of experiencing that fight. It's just I wish I would have taken a little bit more damage to make it feel like it was a little bit more of a challenge. But I definitely get that we were in a good spot and everything. So I definitely get that. But, um, you know, there is one boss or enemy that is definitely my favorite in the game. And this is a boss that had a great voice actor. And the voice acting was so cool. And... You know, I always uh, called this guy my buddy, and that is, uh, of course, Baron Flint. <laughs> oh, I knew, like, when I was going to ask you the question, who's your favorite boss, but I knew you were going to say Baron Flint. I absolutely knew it. Yeah, 
Baron Flint is just a really cool dude. I mean, <laughs> I, I know he's supposed to be a bad guy, but like, uh, you know, I'll choose Baron Flint over Tannis. Like, give me Baron Flint any day. The, th- the point that we got over as well is that Baron Flint actually used to work for Tannis, and that's why he had that other part of the Vault King. Really? Yeah. That's why she's going to kill him. So. Yeah, he wanted to be his own leader, so obviously he was the only survivor of obviously Tannis' group. And he went and Aww. formed his own group. See, you should have told me that, zombie. Like, if I would have known that, I would have been like, all right, Baron, let's do this, dude. Let's take out Tannis and we'll, we'll take the vault together. Sadly, can't do that. <laughs> but that's that's what I would have done, though. Like, I mean, I like this Baron guy more than Tannis. Like, he's a cool dude. I mean, I would have been like, all right, Baron, you know, we're going to take out this vault together. You, me, and zombie, we got this, dude. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. He probably would have died. Oh, uh, no, nah, he, he would have survived. He's a cool dude. Yeah, <laughs> which we'll we'll get to the DLCs afterwards. But you know, when he popped up in the DLC, I, I loved um just you know saying hello to him again. <laughs> I, I just gave him a warm welcome with my fist. So yeah, definitely very very warm welcome. If you've been beating his head into a bloody pulp, but still, <laughs> yeah. Well, I only set his head on fire. I mean, that's that's fair enough, right? And then apart from you know you were hitting him with your fists while he was on fire, kind of a bit overkill. <laughs> But, you know. <laughs> but he's a cool dude. Like, he, he didn't enjoy that. <laughs> he probably didn't. But um, he, he's, like, basically the uh, main other enemy I wanted to mention. I guess I'll give a quick shout-out to, you know, uh, the brothers. You know, the Cobb brothers. They were kind of an interesting storyline where you have to, like, kill one brother and then kill the other brother. That was kind oh, of yeah. interesting. Franz and Hans, yeah. <laughs> no, uh... the Cobb brothers. Which one? Uh, Taylor Cobb and the other one. Oh, the Cobbs, all right, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking the Drive Flint fight still. But obviously, yeah, the yeah. brothers of Hans and Franz, who one of them had a gun and one of them had an axe. But yeah, those guys are fairly cool. And there are some other bosses we haven't mentioned, but oh, yeah. they didn't really stick out to me enough. They're like, oh, wow, that's a cool boss. Like, yeah. so those are like the main bosses I, I that stuck out to me a little bit. Because obviously you had the beginner bosses, as obviously you had like Sledge, Nine Toes, all that stuff. But obviously these guys are just there to obviously get you started for obviously all the boss follow-ups that you'll get later on in the game. Because they're really right. simple to kill, to be honest. They have nothing, like, you have to, like, strategize around. Like, literally, nine times you just go in. Just shoot him. He's dead. Sledge, just go in. Oh, he has a shotgun that can hurt you. Kill him. He's dead. Yeah. There's nothing special. They're, they're, they're pretty cool guys, though, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, that's basically most of the NPCs in Borderlands 1. Of course, we haven't talked about the characters you can actually play yet, so that's kind of what we'll get into now. So, um, we'll we'll leave ours for last zombie because we both played um, Lilith and Brick. Let's get into uh, two of the other characters we didn't play a little bit. So, what do you know about Roland? Because Roland's the one character that I'd never even consider playing. Like, Roland's a character that is completely against my playstyle, and he's the character that I cared least about personally. Okay, so. Roland has a very interesting story about him, because he's an ex-Crimson Lance, and what a Crimson Lance is, if you play, obviously, reverse the bosses and thing, he's an ex-soldier from, obviously, the Dark Operation. That's why, and his special ability that he has is, obviously, do you know how we reversed the Crimson Lance and they had all those Scorpio turrets? Yes. That's his special ability. He has one of his own Scorpio turrets. Because he, cool, yeah, because he used to come from obviously Commander Steel's obviously elite group, and he left because obviously he didn't agree with the way they were handling stuff, which basically saved him because obviously we probably would have killed him as like a boss or something beforehand. But you know, and out of curiosity, then do you know if you play him, if you get like different audio cues when you face like Steel and stuff, does you say like you know you betrayed me or something like that, or no? Um, I don't, I don't think they went that in depth with it. Okay, he definitely mentions it in future games. 
So I won't spoil any of that, but obviously you get more of a... Being yeah, I was just thinking that that'd be kind of cool if, you know, if, if you play as him, then you get some different dialogue there where, like, she's like, oh, you betrayed me, you know, you were a Crimson Lance, or, like, that she references it, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, the DLC mentions it. Oh. When well, you burst the actual, yet, yeah, when you actually nice. burst the actual commander guy, who's actually the leader of the whole Daryl Corporation, uh, when you verse him, he may, he has some unique dialogue if Roland's a part of your group at the time. He'll mention it. So well, that's pretty cool then. Yeah, but you know, Roland is more of that. It seemed like more of that um, sniper or like gunner style class, and that's not my style as much. So that's why he was uh, kind of an afterthought for me. Yeah, but the next one I want to mention is the other one that we didn't actually play uh, in our playthrough is Mordecai. What do you know about Mordecai? Okay, so Mordecai is very interesting because a lot of his backstory isn't really that explained until we obviously get to like Borderlands Two. I could obviously be wrong, but about that because I don't know a lot from obviously the Borderlands One, like well, how he comes into it and stuff like that from his backstory. But what I know is that he's a sniper. Right, he's your sniper class, he's your tracker class, he's obviously, like, he, he, he's, as you find out in later games, he's kind of a more of a funny kind of character, obviously, he becomes a comic relief later on in other games and stuff like that, but you don't, you don't get that in this game, what you get is a version of him where he's been through a lot, right, so he's been on his own for a while, so obviously he's getting used to being in a group and trusting other people, so he's, he's kind of a bit skeptical if, if to trust any of the people he's with at the moment, but he has obviously he's trusted um Falcon on him the whole time, or Bloodwing that keep, kind of keeps him under that control because obviously he has someone to talk to the whole time. Yeah, that's like his pet, correct? That's his pet and his special ability. Uh, Bloodwing can't. He can what does his ability Blood, do? He can send Bloodwing into the field, and what Bloodwing can do is he can target enemies, he can attack enemies, he can pick up loot for you. Stuff like that. So he can basically track out the whole field so you know what you're going into before you've even done anything. That's interesting, actually. So, yeah. But it's only him, only he will see it, not everybody else. Only he will be able to see what's what's ahead. So you'd, you'd have to communicate that with, obviously, the rest of your yeah, teammates. I, when you mentioned him being the sniper, I think I mixed him and uh, Roland together. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Roland's <laughs> so. your more, obviously, typical, like, first-person shooter kind of guy. with just a right. gun and just shooting them, yeah. Which, both of those playstyles, you know, are... Not- kind of not my playstyle as much so for me when i started the game my character that i played as was always going to be brick or loath and i just ended up going with brick and you know it, i'm actually kind of glad i did because you know you were playing as lilith so it would have been kind of weird having two Liliths there so yeah so it would have been fun though we both face shift around constantly maybe <laughs> but um i know the character you know the most about is the one that you played which is lilith and i know she's a siren which means that she has like these iridian abilities which um, kind of link to the vault keys in the vaults. So do you want to kind of explain her a little bit? Okay. So Lilith is obviously a siren. And sirens are, like, obviously sirens are a rare commodity to come around. Because the only sirens that you get are obviously people that are mentioned in the game and stuff like that. But sirens, obviously, are, like, more extinct. So there's, like, one in six, right? There's six sirens in the whole of the borderlines. Like, tri- like, obviously, Trilogy. Well, like obviously, now it's going to be, obviously, the third game as well that's coming out, but obviously, and there's a siren in that, but whatever. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's six sirens in the whole of Pandora, the whole of the world. There's only six of them. That's how unique they are. And Lilith is one of them. And she's, like, one of the first ones. So, obviously, she has... Like, what you see is basically... And not real even... quick, stop on that. Um, 
we know that there's Lilith and there's one in Borderlands 2, there's one in Borderlands 3. Yeah. Um, do we ever find out the other three or do we not know the other three yet? You know, you find out in number two who the one, the fourth one is. Okay, so basically we find out uh, four of them, but we can't play as one of them? No. That, okay. that, that, that is true, yeah. And then as of as of right now, uh, we don't know two of them, correct? So basically yeah. they have... They have room, like, say they made a Borderlands 4 in the future. They, they could have a new yeah. one in Borderlands 4 or something like that. Exactly. Okay. Sorry to stop you there. I just want to make it's sure fine. that people know that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, so basically, these sirens are... Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to stream or not, and I'll mention this again. They're descendants of the vault, basically. That's why they have all these Iridium powers and stuff like that. They're charged by Iridium, obviously. And that's why, like... You can detect a siren because obviously they have those blue circular tattoos on them that resemble the vaults and stuff like that. The descendants from it. So yeah, and I think that's really cool. And honestly, um, I think when we get to Borderlands Two, I'm probably gonna play as a siren because I want to kind of vary my classes up a little bit. I don't really know who I'm gonna play in the pre sequel yet, but I think in Borderlands Two, I'm gonna want to play as a siren. That way, I get that experience as a siren because before Borderlands Three, I kind of want to try you know different styles of classes. That way, I have a little bit of experience with each thing. That way in Borderlands 3, I can kind of pick what I like best. Yeah. And obviously, I can relate the cast to you of obviously um, the prequel after this. And I can tell you who's who and stuff like that. Because I've looked at all the cast you can get for that. And there's a few I think yeah. I might like. So That works for me. Yeah, cause I, I definitely want to try something that's different than uh, Brick was. Because I want a little bit different experience just to see what I like best. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll get your chance to because there's nobody like Brick on pre-sequel they're all different and i don't know if this is correct actually but i've actually heard that brick is pretty unique in the franchise where there's really no character like brick ever again is that true that is true yeah okay so he's like a anomaly kind of yeah he's he's your only powerhouse character that can actually kill things using his fists until possibly borderlands 3 because you have um amara that's coming in that has some fists too so maybe she can do a little bit of the same thing yeah until the borderlands 3 yeah we'll have to see if she can actually do that because we didn't find out too much yet but it sounds like she might be able to do a little bit of that because amara's a siren isn't she yeah so that would have been with her power though a siren's powerful power would be obviously to summon like stuff like that so it wouldn't be right. the same play style as bricked where he just uses his full brunt force to just smack people. Yes, yeah, so maybe I'm going to like Amara. I'm not sure yet. I mean, yeah. so far from Borderlands 3, the characters that I'm most interested in at the moment, I'm very interested in Amara, and I'm also interested in that character called Flack that has like all the beasts. So those are the two I'm most interested in at the moment. Mm -hmm. Flack seems like a pretty cool character, too. Yeah. But we digress. Um, we have one of the characters to talk about, and this is the guy that I played, uh, which is Brick. And Brick is your Berserker class, and... Brick has a really cool special. Oh, actually, um, before we get into that, what is Lilith's special? You never mentioned Lilith's special. Ah, so Lilith's specialty is she's able to come, she's able to make herself invisible and basically um, phase, phase around the enemies and then pop out and burst out with all of the powers. For example, what I was using is basically she can run around and basically, obviously, the enemies can't see her. Nobody can see what she's doing. And then she can just pop out and burst into flames everywhere. And set everybody in the area on fire. Which you did use a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a zoning thing, so you can easily kill everything in the area. And that's, like, her main thing and stuff like that. Because she is nicknamed the Firehawk. So that's more of her powers. And that's why I used her incendiary stuff. Fair so. enough. And my guy Brick, basically his power, which we reference, is... You use his power, and he gets, like, these two giant fists, and 
you literally just walk up to you know enemies and you just bash their face face in. and these fists are like superpower fists you just keep smashing them smashing them and uh later in the game you find artifacts that you can actually attach to these fists and you can make a corrosive fist or a fire fist or a shock fist and it was really funny when i was using the corrosive fist where like i basically just make enemies melt <laughs> <laughs> So it's really, uh, he was a really fun character to play and someone that was definitely different because I went all towards his tank tree. So basically I filled up almost all the things in his tank tree and I made him extra health. He had extra shield. You know, he had all these, uh, really tanky abilities where even one of the abilities I had was, um, a diehard ability where when you revive me, for example, I get more health when I revive. So that's really cool too. Yeah, because he can shake off so much damage and it's, it's unhumanly possible to do that much, like, damage to somebody and then to still not take anything from it and be unfazed. Which is, like, that's how he's so unique as well. But Bricks, obviously, he's not that smart. As, obviously, with half the things he says in the game, like, going, ooh, shiny or stuff like that throughout the whole game, he's not that smart. But he's obviously one of those lovable characters you, you I, obviously love. smart enough to play the saxophone, though. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> And as you go through the games, he develops, obviously, a, relation, uh, a relationship. Not in, obviously, like, a lover's relationship, but a good, like, bond with, obviously, Mordecai as you go through the games. So, that is something that is obviously explored, because you obviously, you've obviously played Tales of the Borderlands, so... Yeah, and I, I think it's really funny, too, how in, like, the title intro sequence, it's, you know, Lilith as the Siren, you know, Mordecai as uh, the Hunter, I think it was, something like that, and, you know, when they get to Brick, it's brick as himself <laughs> yeah it's just uh, just as himself because he is a bit he is a brick he's a brick house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it exactly. works. and i just love the intros in general like the songs they get for them are so well done oh yeah it, the intros are really cool yeah but those are our borderlands one characters so um unless there's somebody that you know is very important we're missing those are our characters we have in borderlands one there's, there's not really anyone no we've mentioned we've mentioned all the major ones that played a role in the story so all right i figured that so yeah um, but one of the biggest things about Borderlands that people like is obviously the guns, and there's a tons and tons of guns in Borderlands in the whole franchise, and, you know, Borderlands 3 that's coming out soon, uh, that's supposedly gonna have a billion guns in there, and basically these guns all have different brands, all with their own stats, uh, rarity levels, and the guns themselves have levels too, and then some of them actually have, uh, you know, corrosive damage, or they have, like, shock damage on the gun as well. So there's a lot of varied types of guns, and uh, it's really interesting to me how they have all that variance in the guns. Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, because, obviously, the rarity class is obviously a thing as well that does more damage and stuff like that. But, obviously, your elemental weapons is also good as well. Because, say, for example, obviously, someone like Lilith, specializes in these types of guns so you give her elemental weapons and she's going to do some damage with with all these weapons same with if you gave roland just an assault rifle he's going to do a bonus damage because obviously that's what he's more equipped with and like someone like brick he probably doesn't get any bonus at all right because he's like more of the tanky melee guy shotgun bonuses he gets shotgun bonuses. shotgun okay yeah because he loves he loves using shotguns yeah i didn't like the shotguns as much yeah No, honestly, I didn't get any until the very end of the game, but my favorite type of weapon was the Iridium weapons. Like, you know, remember when I first got an Iridium weapon? I'm like, whoa, that's what it does? That, that's really yeah. cool. 
I already knew what they did beforehand. It was just the fact I was just waiting for your reaction to them. You're like, whoa, these things are awesome. <laughs> they have infinite yeah. ammo and everything, so I don't have to ever reload them. <laughs> yeah, the Iridium weapons are super, super cool. And, you know, now that I've actually seen and used an Iridium weapon, I don't know if I ever really want to go back to the other weapons. Like, Iridium weapons are so cool. I'm like, I just want to use Iridium weapons. <laughs> yeah. And the only weapons you only get are, like, obviously, towards the end of the game. But they're worth, obviously, at the end of the game getting, because, obviously, they help you out a lot. Especially when you get into, obviously, the fight towards the vault, which is insane. <laughs> like, I know you found that mental when we went into, obviously, the war ground of what <laughs> oh, yeah. that was. was it was fun. it was mental, wasn't it? Like, things were just shooting at each other. The Guardians of the Vault came down and started trying to kill all the Crimson Lance. We were trying to just get by them, but... I was saying, okay, let's just go buy all these things, because I can't be going killing them all. But then it was you who insisted, let's kill every single last one of them. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't really insist on that. I just shot them, and then they attacked us. But... <laughs> That's what I meant by insist. You started shooting at them, which got them all to come over. So... I mean, well, you're, you're supposed to shoot these guys, so, like... You can always just walk by them and let, just, you know, let them kill each other. More fun watching that, to be honest. But, you know, what I, what I hated though was uh, the flying guardians. Th those guys oh. were tough. Oh yeah, the uh, Sierra guardians. Yeah, yeah. They, they have the wings and they all fly around. And they use yeah, I didn't like those. the exact same weapon you were using as well. Really? The have new weapons, yeah. So you having your own weapons used against you? Now, how'd you feel? <laughs> well, from the ground level, though, it's harder to hit them from the ground with that. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> But they obviously, uh, if you use elemental weapons against them, you actually deal more damage as well. So your Iridium weapons, the reason you weren't doing so much damage to all of those enemies as you should have been doing was because you were using their own weapons against them. So they were kind of resistant to it. Right. Uh, and obviously you can get different variants of them. Uh, and obviously the next game we're playing. Well, obviously, we'll meet them again, but because of well, the one thing everybody. I'm actually curious of, and I want to ask you, is uh, Lilith is obviously a siren, so in her class, is there anything about like using iridium weapons where it makes them like recharge faster in her class, or no? Uh, no. All of hers okay. is to make sure she can heal herself up and all that stuff. So, for example, when I'm in my phase walk, I don't think I don't think you might have noticed this, but I healed. I can heal myself while in that phase walk. So I could just sit there in that phase walk and heal when I get it to full. It heals like a lot of my health back. And all you have to do is just sit there in that phase walk and just wait to be healed. And just out of curiosity as like a, I guess, minor spoiler, um, in any future games, is there ever anything that recharges ready weapons faster? Um, Not not that I know of, but I don't. I've, okay. Iridium weapons become even rarer than they are now in other games. Yeah, because basically for anyone listening at home, the Iridium weapons... They have infinite ammo, but what happens is you shoot, like, a couple of shots, and then you have to wait a little bit of time for it to recharge. So, it, it's a weapon that is very powerful and uh, very fun to use, but you can only use it a couple times before it has to recharge again. So, if you're in, like, a really big gunfight, it's not always uh, the best choice. You know, you might want to go with a different weapon. And I was just kind of curious if something uh, recharges it faster, which sounds like nothing recharges it faster. No. There's nothing that does that, sadly. But they become more of a rare thing to have, so they become more legendary to get. So if you find one that you're like, oh my god, I found one. This is like, you know, one in like a million chance. Like, oh my god. Well, speaking of legendaries, do you want to go over the uh, gun rarities for people? Okay. 
So you start off with uh, grey weapons, and these are just your worn out weapons. These are all worn out weapons that you've just got, and just like, okay, I found this on the floor and I'm using it. Um, then obviously your green, which would be obviously common, uncommon, uh, legendaries, like superior weapons, stuff like that. But the way this one works is it goes uh, worn, uh, then it comes like fairly new, so it's like uncommon, it goes worn, uncommon, rare weapons. Then obviously purple uh, isn't like obviously like ultra rare, as people call it, it's called superior weapons. And these are weapons that are like relatively new weapons that have been introduced obviously around you know, the world and stuff like that. So they're not, they've never been like used and stuff like that, so you're like some of the first people testing them out. And then obviously you get legendaries. Now they come in two different types of colours. Legendaries can come in yellow, which is obviously your more common type of legendaries. And then you can get orange legendaries. And orange legendaries are like the best legendary weapons in the game because they're named. They're named, they have their own like taglines and stuff like that because why they're named. And they have their own like like stats as well that like make them better and stuff like that. For example, the weapons I used, for example, I had a weapon I had an RPG called the Hive Mind. And the Hive Mind would shoot uh, three rockets that would explode into eight against the boss, which would do t like tons of damage. I then also got a revolver called Violence, which had a times three explosive stat attached to it. Same with my mugshot, which yes. I know Blaze you got at the end of obviously defeating the vaults, which did more damage than mine. Because we defeated it. Yeah, the uh, mugshot was the one uh, legendary weapon I got in the whole game, and yeah, it's really cool uh, assault rifle, and I I loved using that. I basically used it for like the entire vault. Yeah, it's a it's a times three explosive damage on top of that as well. So just imagine. A crit chance to the head with that, you're going to do some damage with explosive weapons. And then I also, and then the other one I got, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Um, I can't, I can't remember the top of my head, but it was like it was a machine pistol that did 500% melee damage. So it do the same as legit bricks fists, essentially. Oh, that's kind of cool. But it had like a, it had like a blade on the end of it, which I slice enemies with. To do the same amount of damage that Bricks would do with Emilio, like obviously his fists, which I found really yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it seems like they do a really good job in this game with like varying up their weapons and stuff. Because, like I said earlier, you have all, all the different brands. You have um, the Doll brand. You have like uh, Molly Wan, uh, Jacobs, and uh, I think it's funny with the tagline for Jacobs. They say like, um, you know, if they didn't die in one shot, it wasn't a Jacobs or like that. Yeah, that's exactly the. <laughs> so it's line. kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, if you did die one here, it wasn't a Jacob's gun. <laughs> yeah, so. um, but, I think it's really funny how they have like different taglines for the different businesses. You also had did the other guns have any? Uh, you also had Hyperion weapons as well. That's the yes. other brand you missed out, yeah. But you got all the other brands, right? Yeah, so yeah. fair enough, you remembered all the brands. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess it's a good thing, right? Yeah, it's know. a good thing you remembered all the brands. So well done. <laughs> Thanks. So, but yeah. Um, I don't know if we figure this out in a future game, but I don't really know what the significance of Molly Wan is yet, because there was really no reference to Molly Wan in the first game, so... Molly Wan is your, like, your corrosive weapons. They, make, they, make, they actually they basically make elemental weapons. That's the reason they exist. Because Molly Wan made them. Right, but there was really no re reference to them too much in the first game. Like, oh, you know, these are the guys that make Molly Wan, or like, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's something you have to go back and obviously you have to like read of the law for them to obviously to gotcha. understand them more. They're not really referenced because it's not like a major thing. 
Everyone just knows them as, obviously, the company that made elemental weapons a thing. But I will say that there also is shopping in this game, and you can buy guns, health items, shield, and ammo from vending machines. And I thought it was really cool you could actually buy it from a vending machine. It's a cool touch. Yeah, I like the vending machines, because obviously it adds obviously that kind of, like, I kind of get a retro kind of feel from that. I don't know about you, right. but I get a kind of a retro feel, and I like that. Obviously, obviously no, not. I agree. Yeah, obviously not going, having to go up to the trader. Obviously, on the go, you can just go up to a vending machine and just get a bunch of stuff and carry on, not having to go all the way back. And they come all the way back. Like, and for they example, they all have like an item of the day too, which is like a more expensive item that's supposed to be a little bit better for you. And yeah. sometimes it can be like a really crappy one, but sometimes it can be a really good one too. Exactly, it's just about your luck in general for like, like that game as well, for like that loot and stuff like that. Because imagine this: imagine if we had been doing that without those vending machines being a thing. Imagine how much longer it would have took us to obviously finish that final battle as we were going to the vault. We would have had to stop midway through that war, run all the way back to the, the nearest fast travelling thing, go all the way back to New Haven, get all the ammo, and then come all the way back. <laughs> I, mean, I think we would have been okay, though. But yeah, but it would have been frustrating, I, I, yeah. though. We would have been, like, mid-battle to stop, and then run all the way back, and then come back. But one of the things that I never probably would have figured out unless you pointed out to me is you pointed out to me that at um some of the machines you can actually upgrade the amount of ammo you can carry which that's really cool to me too yeah it costs a lot of money to do it but it's really cool that you can do that Mm -hmm. and just obviously i don't know if you want me to spoil that for a later game but that mechanic no longer exists wait seriously yeah so the prequel your whatever whatever ammo that gun carries that's all you get can't increase it Nope. Not in two either? Mm-mm. What the hell, dude? They, they ruined my game. <laughs> no, they, no, what they did instead of that is they added skills to certain classes to make them have more ammo. So, for example, on the prequel, Athena has a class where she can upgrade all of her ammo. That, that's not right. That, that's so, just not right. So. But yeah, we're going a bit off track of services of the thing we're doing on Sunday. Anyway, <laughs> I'll explain that more obviously on Sunday, oh. but you know. Yeah, because... Yeah, the prequel's really different, and obviously I'll explain that more on Sunday, so. But, you know, obviously, uh, one of the best things about Borderlands is the loot, of course, and, you know, you can find loot in different areas. You can find, like, little lockers that usually have, like, money or ammo in them. You can find little containers that usually have, like, some ammo and stuff, but the best thing to find is obviously the chest, because the chest can either have some really good shields or some really good weapons in those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of the like higher places that you get to, the more loot that there is, that that is the best stuff, and you can find loot anywhere. You could dig the floor, and a gun would just pop up out of nowhere for no reason necessary. There's guns everywhere. Like you think of a place, oh, like think of any random place, and there'll be a gun there to loot. It's like insane how like how much stuff they like hide around the area and stuff like that. And obviously, you find money, hidden money, and stuff like that. And I know you had shoved when we find you finally got to a million in money. Yeah, that's cool. And then <laughs> you blew it all. <laughs> well, I had to get my ammo upgrades. Yeah, and I just watched as all your million just went down the drain, just getting ammo, is like extra ammo, so we could do the DLC. <laughs> uh, I just laughed. I don't know why. But obviously, you have as well the thing they introduced as well. Uh, golden keys and golden keys isn't something you get in the game it's something obviously not in borderlands in borderlands one you can't get them obviously as transactions in two you can right and they're like four quid but 
um, in one, you obviously you get given 75 golden keys. All you have to do is link your account. Now, how generous is that? And considering about your level, you could go in and get some really good legendary loot. Yeah, which I still have to do that. So um, at some point, I'm going to have to make like one of those shift accounts and get all yeah. those free keys. And also what they do as well is once you've done that shift account, on their Twitter, they release codes for some of the games so you can get these are golden keys and you can use them you get like five a time yeah i believe um our key games cast on twitter i'll give him a quick shout out he actually posted uh, the links for like i think 75 keys for borderlands 2 so you can get like extra 75 keys for free yeah but sometimes the ex- they'll expire eventually though they have like an expired date um he well. said he said those ones have no expiration date though so for borderlands 2 yeah Oh, send me that then, because I need them. <laughs> anyway, I didn't know that, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he posted that. There's like ones for PS4, Xbox, so nice. Uh, he posted like a code or something like that to get 75 free or something like that. So that, that, that's, that's cool. good, that. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, um, so are there anything about the main game before we get into the dlc that you want to mention that we haven't mentioned like anything about the mechanics that we haven't talked about or anything about the storyline that's you know really important uh basically anything we haven't talked about before we get into the dlc um well for the main story wise obviously it's basically just trying to hunt for the vault and obviously but four vault hunters that are from obviously off planet coming to bandora to look for treasure kind of reminds me of pirates really if you think about it in a way, um, but I like obviously that's a really good, that's a good reference and stuff like that as well. But the side missions are there, and people go, "Oh, these side missions are just useless," and obviously the story and stuff like that. But these side missions have their own bosses, and that's how much in detail they went with it. Some of these side missions have their own bosses that you can verse. For example, King Wee Wee is a side mission boss. Yeah, and some of the side missions are actually pretty fun too, like. I personally like the ones with uh, Tannis' journals where you get to, like, hear her, you know, uh, in her journals and kind of get a sense of her character a little bit. So I thought that was really cool, you know, finding her journals as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can find hidden journals all over Pandora. They're, like, collectibles. Like, you can find them everywhere. They'll explain tons of stuff. There's some that actually explain Commander Steel's backstory, actually. Interesting. But they're actually really rare to find. So, like, hunting them down takes a while. That's interesting, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. Every, like, they made sure that, obviously, the lore is explained throughout the game as well, through these Echo Journals, which are really good. Oh, I, I guess real quick, do you want to mention the two cars you can get from uh, the Catcher Ride? Well, the two cars you get from Catcher Ride is basically, you can either get um, a car that, oh, it's basically, a, you can either get a car that has a machine gun turret on the top of it, or you can get one that has a rocket launcher turret on the top of it. Both unique and both have their go, own Go thing. with the rocket launcher. But rocket we always, yeah, but we always go with the rocket launcher because Blaze says that one's better. <laughs> it, it's just so much cooler, like just yeah. chucking out a rocket everywhere. Like yeah, you can just shoot rockets out everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's it's fun to always use them. But obviously, these vehicles have a boost bar that you can use to boost around the map and run people over with, and they'll explode into tiny little bits. That's fun to do if you're ever stressed out at a game. Just go and run over a bunch of people, and they blow up into little bits. Yeah, that's fun. Anyway, and also as well, your vehicle has health. It has a yellow bar of health, and once that goes, it blows up, and you both, whoever's in the vehicle will go down. And when you go down, 
you obviously have a bar that starts to deplete down. And if you don't revive in that time, you die. And you obviously have to use money to pay. So obviously you get revived and get obviously like revived, obviously like rehabilitated stuff like that. But obviously you have a thing called second chance or second wind, as it's called. Uh, and basically, if you kill an enemy while you're down, you can get up. And for the more times you go down and get back up, the quicker that bar is just going to shoot down. So after about your fifth time of getting back up, literally the minute you go down, if you've not killed an enemy within a second, you're dead. The bar just goes that quick. And you just won't be able to do anything. Well, not if you have Die Hard on Brick, you know, because Die Hard gives me extra time for that, so. Not for the uh, second wind. That gives you Which extra health, cool. Do you get, wait, do you get extra, does Brick get no, extra, time, extra time for second wind? Does that? Okay, yeah, yeah, so you'd get an extra life For then. Die Hard, if you have Die Hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so basically it'd give you like an extra life. So basically, even then, you go down at, the fifth time you go down, you have two seconds to get somebody. Six would then be one. And then obviously after that, you'd just be dead immediately. Because you'd have no time to do anything. It'd be like a 0.5 of a second to get up. Like, and I don't think anyone's going to kill anybody in 0.5 right. of a second, are they? Maybe if they're right in front of them and, you know, they're... The hurt, or I don't know. And I just say, like, no gun's going to be able to do that in that amount of time. You have to get, like, dead lucky for that to happen. But anyway, yeah, but that explains a lot. One other, one other small thing I realized we didn't mention is for your characters, you also have something called uh, class mods, where you can actually add a class mod to your characters. Do you want to go over those really fast? Right. So class mods are basically like, the mods you find around the map, and they obviously... Uh, help your help your character out based on your skills and obviously your weapons. So, for example, I had a mercenary one, and what that gave me was a plus forty four in uh, SMG damage. It gave me like plus two in quick draw and like plus two in like girl power. And these are obviously skills that are obviously that you haven't unlocked yet, but obviously you can obviously upgrade. You can go beyond the barrier of just five once you've got them a lot. That's what they're used for. So, like, yeah, say for example. And- so, I had one that was, you know, for the Berserker class, and yeah. basically mine gave me, like, extra melee damage or extra health or something like that. So. Yeah. So, say, for example, obviously, like, I'm pretty sure one of yours is that, like, that yours had, like, plus two to, bru- to brute force. I'm pretty sure right. one of yours was like that. Once you got in that to five, you could upgrade that another two, get it to seven out of five. Because you oh, had that mod cool. on. Once that mod disappeared, though, that would go away as well. You know what I mean? Right. So... That's oh, yeah, because I, I think I did have that where I actually increased mine uh, above the yeah. normal level. So now that I remember that. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it for everything in the main game. But we do have some DLC to talk about. So um, let's start with one that you said was probably the quickest to do, but also one that was uh, very fun. Let's talk about Jacob's Cove. Yeah, so Jacob's Cove is the Zombies DLC. Now, it takes place in um, a little cove just off, just off of where Pandora is. Uh, called obviously Jacob's Cove and stuff like that, and it's basically home to a doctor called Doctor Ned and a bunch of population that's used to be there. And what Doctor Ned did was basically the ability to reanimate the dead, and he wanted to test this out to obviously make people immortal. And what it caused was a huge zombie outbreak, and everybody in Jacob's Cove got infected with it. Nobody survived. Only Doctor Ned survived, and that was it. And his little claptrap as well that you meet when you first drop the... Yay, my pet. Yeah, but apart from that, yeah, because he has his own personal claptrap, which uh, goes with other thing. And I don't know if I want to spoil the story for it, but I don't I mean, if you don't mind for that DLC. Um, I would say let's not spoil let's the not, story okay. on it just because it's DLC. I mean, like, the main game story I think is fine to spoil, but the DLC story I think we can just 
okay. you know, tell the general gist of what happens, but not spoil the story of the DLCs. Okay. So basically, the aim of it is when you get there, obviously, the first thing to do is obviously you've got to liberate Jacob's Cove because it's under, obviously, zombie occupation and the turrets aren't working. Once you get all the turrets up, you kill all them and stuff like that. Then, the whole aim of it then is to obviously cure the people of Jacob's Cove and find out what caused this infection, how do you stop it, and how do you save everybody that's there. And obviously that results in the final boss battle at the end. Which does sound like a lot of fun, so I mean, I would like to try that sometime. Yeah, the boss battle at the end is really good. One of my favorites, actually. But that is uh, one of the DLCs you can get, and that is the one that supposedly uh, takes the least amount of time to complete all the way through. Yeah. But another one that uh, we I didn't try yet is one where you said you have to face the Crimson Lance again. That's T-Bone Junction, and you face the Crimson Lance again, and this is after, obviously, all the storylines took place with, obviously... Uh, the vault, right? All these DLCs do. They take place after the vault's been defeated. So if you play them before you've done the vault, you're ruining the story. So just don't do it. Because you've okay. ruined your own story. The only one that you'll get by doing, where it won't ruin the story, is obviously the Underdome. Which obviously me and Blaze did. So don't play any of the other ones, because it'll spoil the story for you. And it'll ruin it. So, and whatever, whatever level, again, whatever level you entered that at, for example, you ended at level 15, it'll be stuck at that level. So then it'll be a waste of time doing it if you ever want to do a second playthrough of it, for example. Makes sense. It'll be a waste of time. But basically, uh, T-Bone Junction, what's the uh, gist of that mainly? Okay, so T-Bone Junction, you turn up there and you've been hired by Athena. And she's on the run because she used to be a part of this ninja class of like assassins that used to go around T-Bone Junction that still do actually. They're hired by the Dahl Corporation, and they basically exterminate threats and problems that the Colonel has with everybody around it. And I forgot the Colonel's name, but it'll get back to me eventually. Uh, and basically, she summons you to help her out and go to her and stuff like that. And that's what that is. And obviously, the first part is obviously getting out of Team Junction because you need a vehicle. And obviously, going through all the checkpoint borders and stuff like that. And then obviously, you get to the end and obviously have to verse, obviously, the Colonel himself. So, that's the end of it. Colonel Sanders? No, not Colonel Sanders. Why is it KFC? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of cool. You know, you get a big bucket of KFC if you beat him. His weapon's just Kentucky, a took, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken just throwing it at you. Does explosive damage. <laughs> no, what happens is, like, the battlefield where you face him, he actually has uh, buckets of corn rigged up top, and he tries to pour those on your head. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, maybe some sweet chili sauce to add on top of that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the new DLC that's coming, so. Yeah. <laughs> the Colonel's DLC. Um, but um, there's two DLCs left. I'm going to save the one that we actually did for last, because I can at least talk about that one a little bit. Um, the last one left, honestly, this is the one I always forget, because this is the one of the four that seems the least interesting to me, so... Uh, you could probably talk about it, because I honestly don't even remember what it is, so... <laughs> okay, so Tartarus' station is a massive, yeah. like, windmill station. And Tannis is there, because this used to be her old, like, place, right? And basically, she needs to get some files and stuff like that. But what they're also doing is Claptrap, um, like, like, I'm trying to, I can't say the word. Uh, well, they're creating claptraps, but evil claptraps, as we seen, obviously, at the end of the cliffhanger, where, that, where obviously, claptrap got adapted and he turned evil. That is actually your ending boss. Interesting. You go back to Firestone and you verse him. I know you were asking if you actually get to verse him, and you do. 
But that's at the end of the Tatarist um, station DLC. You go back to Fire Zone where the start was and you verse him. See, even so, though, I mean, it, it still seems like the least exciting DLC yeah. before to me. Yeah, because you're obviously just starting to stop evil claptraps. Big whoop. Yeah, so, uh, what are you going to do to poke I, me? You're going to poke me into that's a That's probably the DLC that I, I am not really interested in playing, but I mean, maybe eventually I'll get around to it. Yeah. Because, I mean, what's that, what's that evil claptrap going to do? Like, seriously, is it, is it just going to, like, poke your beatbox you to death? Well, I'm probably going to have to repair it anyway, so... Yeah, exactly, you got to kill it and then repair it. Is it great? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's more of a hassle for me, like, just to repair the things. Than yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only she won't get to repair them later on in other games, so it's fine. Yeah. But the final DLC is one that we actually uh, had some time to do at the end of our uh, Borderlands 1 adventure. And we actually played through the first three arenas in this one. It's called the Underdome. So I guess you can talk about uh, the gist of that, and then I can kind of chime in a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So the Underdome is basically Moxie's little creation. And that's another character we didn't go over. Moxie is... Moxie's ba- awesome. Yeah, Moxie's awesome. Moxie is basically your uh, I'm-not-going-to-take-any-shit kind of character. And she's basically independent. She's her own woman. She runs her own uh, like brand, like bars and stuff like that. And she's kind of this showgirl, right? As obviously the intro explains, she's had like three, like three husbands, and yeah, each one was different in her own opinion. And that's what I like about Max's character is she takes no shit, but she's willing to help other people out if it benefits her and her brand and her likeness. Especially this Underdome, she's really popular because she created basically a dome where the Vault Hunters could just kill. Waves and waves and waves and waves upon of en- of just enemies and get good loot off of it. Including my buddy Baron Flint. Yeah, you can kill Baron Flint about 50 odd times. Yeah, it's fun to kill him again. So. Yeah, exactly. Again and again and again and again. And no, it, it, and it does get a bit tedious, but the enemies get harder. That's what adds the element to it. Yeah, and basically how this works is you have five different rounds, and each round has five waves to it. So basically. To beat one uh, arena dome, it's 25 battles, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the first wave is always uh, you know, the starter wave, then it goes to the gun wave, then it goes to the horde wave, and then it goes to the badass wave, which has like you know tougher enemies, and the last one is the boss wave. So that's basically, it goes in the same order uh, every time, just as you go up to higher rounds, it does get harder in higher rounds. Mm-hmm. Because the ad... Uh, certain stipulations that you have to keep by. Like, for example, the one I hate, and it was a pain to do, is the one where you have no shields. So you're basically running naked, to be exact. Uh, that's what it's called. And you have no shields for the whole round, and you have to rely on your health to keep yourself alive. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty fun. You didn't like that? <laughs> I hate it. Because <laughs> my health isn't that high. For you, it's high because you're playing a, t- a, a tank. Obviously, a tank. Because you'd upgraded right. your skills tree for it. Lilith doesn't have that kind of tank tree to her. So... Makes sense. She wouldn't have she wouldn't have had a lot of health. You had three hundred and thirty odd more health than I did. I was at six hundred, and that's like when you get to like level like twenty. Yeah, which we should mention too that um the entire time we played this, you were always like five or six levels ahead of me. So oh yeah, yeah, I was more <laughs> ahead of him. That's how we rushed through the story quicker. But obviously, yeah. it gets to a point because they're arranged on basically your diff- like obviously your your level class. So say for example, you're level twenty, and you go to do a level twenty two mission. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard for you to do. But if you go to do a level 20... So, for example, you're level 20, and you go to do a level, like, 25 mission. Don't. Don't even try it. 
because it's impossible. The game literally says it's impossible, so don't do it. Because literally it is impossible. You're going to go in there right. and you're going to get one hit by every enemy possible before you can even do anything. So, I know that from experience, by the way. It's it's awful. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's, it's, oh, it's torture. You can't do the mission. You have to literally go and level yourself up using the side missions. Which is what I did a few times. I, mean, I yeah. did like a night share of Borderlands and I leveled my character a little bit while you weren't available for that stream. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had to level up a little bit while you were away. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and those side missions are good for obviously leveling up and stuff like that, which I recommend people do. Get to the level that is required before you do the mission. Because if the level, for example, is if you want, if you want, if you, if you're level off of the mission, so say for example you level twenty five, it's a level twenty six mission. It's okay to do the mission. It's going to be a little harder, but it isn't to the point where you can't do it. Don't go doing missions that are like five times the level you are. Because don't, because you won't be able to do the mission at all. But back to the Underdome for a second. Um, it basically has three different maps, and you have to beat each map essentially the twenty five different ways. Because you have you know five ways per round. Five rounds, so 25 ways to beat each map. And I will say that the first map, you know, it didn't really excite me a ton, but the next two were actually pretty fun. The, the second map is sort of uh, modeled after like a vault and it has you know, that kind of like vault uh, architecture to it. And the third map is kind of fun too. It's like basically a really condensed map where they kind of resembled a bandit camp and you had like one little overlook and then you had like some bandit camp tents and Things like that. So the first map didn't really resonate with me, but the second two uh, were kind of fun. Yeah, and the third, and obviously the third map had teleporters to it, which I thought was really good for like a condensed yeah, map that's like cool, that. Yeah. Being able to teleport all over the place was really, really fun. Because each map had unique enemies and stuff like that. Because obviously in the first map, we weren't versing guardians, like vault guardians. The other two we were. So, right. and obviously. In later games, these stats will obviously get used to like elemental stuff and stuff like that, aka the prequel. But obviously, we'll get to that bridge when we cross it. But yeah, and like for example, the second map there was no skags in that one because that exactly. was more like vault oriented. So yeah, because it makes the no first sense. And the third map had some skags. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like it made no sense for skags to be in a place which is just like you know what I mean, a Ridian place, unless it was a Ridian skag, which don't exist by the way. Just don't. I'm getting, getting your hopes actually. up with that. <laughs> yeah, not getting your hopes up with that. They don't exist. They might exist in the third game. But it don't exist as at this current moment. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> Wish they did that. That should be really cool, actually. Now I'm thinking about that. Why didn't I write but... this bloody game? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, after you beat these three maps, though, essentially it's, you know, beating 75 waves. You go cash in. You get some cash for it. And then it unlocks a uh, more difficult set of waves. Basically, you have to do it all over again. Just at a more difficult level. And so, you get higher loot as you go through. Yeah. And that's the whole exactly, jinx so. of it. Obviously, it's entertaining to obviously go through all these waves constantly because it's harder and harder and harder and harder. The one thing yes. that you didn't know beforehand was the fact that when the boss is killed, do you know the portal that we came down, the like the dome thing that Moxie stands on top of, that drops loot for you to get. Oh. And I didn't mention that because obviously you get that ten seconds beforehand to obviously grab all the loot and stuff like that. I didn't mention it because obviously the one we played had common gear. It had common greens and purples, maybe like a warm right. blue occasionally. So it was awful. And do you know how many um, of these, like, I guess, more difficult ways there are until you beat the entire Underdome? Or another, so you'd, we'd have to do, obviously we did that one. The next one we'd have to do, we complete that. There's another one after that, and maybe another one after I'm not sure, because I only did all the bottom ground, and the bottom ground had three attached to it. Three sections. So there's there's potentially then four sections of 75 uh, waves? 
There might be. I'm not sure okay. about that. I know there's definitely definitely three. Okay, so basically you're looking at, you know, 225 waves minimum, and then possibly 300 waves. Yeah. Keeps you interested. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, it, honestly, the Underdome was a lot of fun. I'm glad we played it, and I'm glad we got through, you know, the first little section there, and that was a lot of fun. So I think the next one I want to try is I probably want to try uh, Jacob's Cove next. Okay. Um, but as in the words of Moxie, when we did actually do all those three ones, we kind of went into overtime. <laughs> as you would say sometimes. But yeah. Yeah. No, but it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I enjoyed the DLC of this game. I enjoyed the base game. And honestly, the game's a lot of fun. And even though a lot of people don't seem to like the uh, pre-sequel, I'm looking forward to trying it out and, you know, getting some experience with it and playing through that story, you know. If uh, we don't like it either, then I guess we'll just try to rush even faster through it. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, we're going to start the same level this time. We're not both going to just... I'm not going to be able to start with my level bloody 22 exactly. character and just lead you through the whole thing again, because where's the fun in that? Because we, we, we'd be done because... We'd be done, like, literally like, two months before, like, September. Well, if we, if we finish uh, before September, I'm fine with that, because that just gives me a chance to go back and do some DLC, so... Mm. Basically, I'm going to play through the pre-sequel, I'm going to play through Borderlands 2, and then I'm going to play through uh, Tales from the Borderlands. If I finish Tales from the Borderlands and there's still a lot of time left before uh, Borderlands 3 comes out, I'll probably just go back and play some DLC from the first uh, couple games. Right. So basically at that point, that's when I might go back to Jacob's Cove, or I might go back to a DLC from Borderlands 2 or something like that, so... But before we end, is there anything else you want to say about Borderlands 1? Because I think we've pretty much covered uh, the whole gist of the game. The only thing I'd ask is did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think, and, the, and another thing I'd like love to ask and stuff on that is obviously I like to do trivia for that game and stuff like that as well. But obviously that's something I might ask you obviously we're playing like prequel and all that. If you remember stuff from Borderlands like I'm going yada 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 I'll ask you all that. But overall like what was your like overview of it? Honestly I thought it was a lot of fun and it only makes me more excited to try the rest of the series because I had got a little bit of a glimpse into the world with uh, Tales from the Borderlands because I liked those story games. So I got a little glimpse into the world from that. And playing through one of the actual games, you know, the like full-length games, it honestly made me want to play uh, the pre-sequel and 2 even more, which I have the uh, Handsome Jack collection, so I'll be doing that soon. And it really makes me really excited for 3 as well because 3 you know, seems like it actually improves a lot of things from the old, old games. And it seems like 3 is going to be a game that I uh, really enjoy a lot. Right. That's all I have, really. Glad you enjoyed it. Look forward to playing prequel <laughs> yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, I'm hoping that um, you know, I don't hate it because it sounds like a lot of Borderlands fans hate the prequel. So hopefully, I don't hate it. We'll we'll find out, I guess. No hate on the characters though. The characters are good. I mean, we'll we'll have to talk offline about it, but um, the fact that Athena's in there, it, it does make me kind of want to try her because I I know her from Tales from the Borderlands. So I, I might want to try don't her. Don't forget about Claptrap. Yeah, but, I mean, Athena's in Tales from the Borderlands, and, like, she's cool in there, so yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you off-stream, there's another character you might be interested in as well. All right, sounds good. <laughs> but that being said, just to recap real quick, our next stream is going to be on the pre-sequel. That's going to be on Sunday from 12 to 4 Eastern, so that is going to be a lot of fun. And then on Monday, we're going to have our Game Pass Revisit a Game of the Month, where we revisit a game from Game Pass. Right now, Life is Strange is winning that vote. And then that means on Tuesdays, we're going to play some State of Decay 2 again. So that's our schedule for the next week coming up. Um, 
there's a chance I could do a bonus stream in there somewhere. You know, you never know because um, by the time you're hearing this, I have already done a bonus stream on Thursday. Uh, Thursday night, I was doing a bonus stream on Life is Strange, playing through one of those episodes. So basically, if things go perfectly, then um, by the end of Monday, I might be through four episodes of Life is Strange. So I would probably do one bonus stream somewhere just to finish the final episode. So, But we'll see how that goes. But also, our next podcast is going to be a State of Decay 2 podcast of some kind. I'm not uh, entirely sure what topic I'm going to pick yet, but next Saturday will be a State of Decay podcast again, so look out for that. And I also want to thank our newest Patreon member one more time. Thank you, Meter, for becoming a $5 patron. I really appreciate that. And anyone that doesn't know, Patreon is basically a way to support content creators for the content they make. So in my case, uh, I make podcasts and I stream. So that's the content I'm making at the moment. And for as little as $1 a month, you can make a Patreon member. If you go to the $5 level like Meter has, then you can actually get access to a bonus Patreon podcast every month. And the bonus Patreon podcast for the first ever one actually released uh, today as well. So you would be able to hear that if you join Patreon. And you have a timed exclusive on that. It's going to be my top 10 games of all time. So you'd have a timed exclusive on that. And... Basically, any future Patreon episodes uh, at this time, I don't plan to make them available to non-patrons. So, basically, this first one's going to be like a taste for everyone to see if you like the uh, bonus episodes and see what you think of them. And, you know, uh, if you like them, then, you know, you're welcome to become a patron. But I do want to reiterate, you know, I reiterate this a lot, that it's not required at all. You know, you can still enjoy the podcast for free. You can still enjoy the stream for free. So, don't worry about it at all if you... uh, aren't able to do that it's just a way to help support what i'm doing and help me uh further get along with this dream of mine uh if you want to do so so i definitely appreciate the support you know whether you're um a patreon member whether you're not a patreon member the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now that means you're supporting me so thank you very much for the support but if you want to listen to the podcast you're obviously doing so already but you can also listen to it on stitcher spotify podbean blueberry google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, radio public and many other directories so definitely check all those out and honestly if you just google the blaze experience you're going to find it somewhere in google so just search it and you'll find me somewhere and also in order to get in touch with me you can get in touch with me via email theblazeexperience at gmail.com you can get a hold of me on my Discord. Uh, that will be in the show notes. You can get a hold of me on Twitter or my Xbox Gamer tag, which is at Blaze Experience for both. That's capital B L A I S E, capital X P E R I N C A. For streaming, if you want to catch my stream, that's going to be mixer.com slash Blaze Experience. So spelled the same way for everything. So just mixer.com slash Blaze Experience. And I also have YouTube and Facebook as well, but I don't use those too often right now. Uh, maybe in the future I will, you know, make those uh, podcasts, Facebook and the podcast YouTube a little bit more prominent. But at this time, uh, those aren't my main focus. So the better way to get a hold of me right now is on Discord or Twitter. But without further ado, uh, Zombie, how can people get a hold of you? Um, you can find me on Xbox at Zombie Kilimer. That's a Zombie without the E, Zombie 3. Kill three RMA, or you can find me on Blaze's Discord. I'm around there if you ever just at me on there and you can uh, talk to me about it, or just private DM me at the same. Yeah, he's on there as well, and you know, um, we have a great group of people there. 
Zombie is also one of my uh, mods in the stream. So if you want to uh, stop by the stream, you'll probably see him in the stream a lot too. So, you know, stop by the stream anytime and uh, you might see Zombie there as well. But thank you, everyone. I really appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast. Zombie, thank you for being here again. It was nice to have you back for your second episode. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. And hopefully we'll have you again soon. Yeah, hopefully. But thank you to the listeners as well. And we will see you next week for some State of Decay 2 talk. Or I will see you on stream. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Play Experience. (laughs) 